0: Welcome to episode 33 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. I am joined, as always, by Craig. Hey, mate. How you doing? Very good. Craig, have you ever woken up for work when the alarm's gone off and thought, wow, I love my job. It's the best job in the world? No. Okay. Yeah, good, correct answer. <laughs> well, interesting thing about our guest on the podcast today is he actually does wake up in the morning and think that. His name's Sean Peach, and he's an adventure cinematographer, but he's also much more than that. And I guess you'll learn all about it in this episode, won't you, Craig?
1: Absolutely. Good
0: stuff. Let's do it. Thank you, as always, to our regular podcast sponsors for their support. Topo Maps Plus, a phone application that allows you to view topographical maps and to track your location even without cell phone coverage. Go deeper into the backcountry. Rios Floating Polarised Sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, Australian super fine Merino Wool Base, Mid and Top Layer Garments. Where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Carribee, one of Australia's leading backpack, travel and outdoor brands. They supply us with dry bags, waterproof day packs and expedition bags. Supporting our sponsors allows us to continue to produce this podcast. So please jump online and check out what they have to offer. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners. Craig, how are you, buddy?
1: Good, Tom. Thanks, mate. How are you?
0: Very good, thank you, mate. Craig, the world is full of change, is it not? Every day. Every day, <laughs> including today. Listeners, we have put uh, you through the pain of uh, extensively long podcasts for far too long. <laughs> <laughs> No doubt, and uh, we want to make it up to you. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of uh, I've been doing a lot of thinking and uh, having conversations with various people, and what uh, what I've decided and collectively decided with Craig is that we're going to split our content up and basically have shorter content more often. And I know a lot of you may not like the sound of that, I know a lot of you will say, oh, finally, finally, (laughs) a podcast under three hours. What a gift. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's that's what we're looking at doing. And this is it, the very first one where we're going to do that. We're still planning on doing our uh, news episodes, but there'll be a separate episode where we'll go into detail about What Craig and I have been up to, uh, what we're planning to get up to, gear, um, shout-outs, all that other stuff, the the same stuff that you're used to is still going to exist. It's just going to be in a different podcast episode. The reason for that is uh, we want to bring you more content more often, and we just want it to be uh, in more palatable bite-sized chunks. So it's a bit of a test, and it's definitely a bit of a risk, considering we've had a Um, an ongoing format that that hasn't really done us wrong for this long so yeah i hope you guys are are cool with that so as i said you'll you'll get this episode uh today without too much banter and um, you can probably look forward to your regular news one in the very near future what do you think about that craig
1: Mm, sounds great, man. I think it's, it, as you say, the wind of change is, is upon us. It's about mm. uh, time we break this thing up a little bit. Um, I reckon, yeah, the news can come at you in a, in a in its own podcast and a little bit of interesting stories and tales that we'll tell.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? Usually interesting <laughs> stuff. Yeah, well, we'll give it a shot. We'll <laughs> steal somebody else's interesting <laughs> stories if we have to. Uh, so that's about it. That's about all we we're going to tell you today, if you uh, enjoy what we're doing and you want to support us in uh, any small way, jump over to ko-fi.com forward slash hike or die and uh, you can support us that way. Um, make sure you still jump on and, um, you know, comment and, and let us know how you're going because we still definitely want to, want to maintain that contact with you guys. But that's it. Dive, I'm done.
1: Dive straight in.
0: I want to now introduce the the guest that we we've just spoken to, uh, and what by by just spoken to I mean we did just literally get off the phone to him, and that's that's the beauty of doing it in this format, is that um, we get to share it quicker with you. Sean Peach, as I said, he goes by the label of uh, cinematographer, but he's a cinematographer of a of a more kind of how do you say, um, outdoorsy sort of rugged kind, so he's used to dragging cameras and equipment into into the wilderness um, in countries all around the world. He's got some fantastic tales. It, it was so, so good spending time with him on the podcast. Craig, have you got anything to add to that?
1: <laughs> no, mate, he's got some great stories, mm. remote adventure shows that he works on, and yet in his spare time he still likes mm. to get out and head into the outdoors
0: yeah yeah he's got some absolute cracking stories Uh, i loved it i loved every minute of uh talking to him so um i'll let you guys listen to it now how about that sound good craig let's do it all right guys enjoy this catch you next time bye sean peach welcome to the podcast mate it's great
2: to have you on okay tom craig how are you guys Good. Doing
0: well, doing well. It's a bit rainy uh, in our part of the country at the moment, but uh, it's probably a nice change.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's doing the same down here in Sydney at the moment, but you're okay. right, it is a nice change. Yeah, it
0: is good. <laughs> hey, mate, I Mate, was, I was thinking today when I was um, just, I guess, brushing up on my um, Sean Peach homework that th- there's that old saying I'm sure you're familiar with that uh, if you're doing something you'll love you'll never work a day in your life and when i was scrolling through instagram i thought i wonder do you feel that you're close to that or you are at that or if that or if that's something you're getting closer to
2: um i think now as i'm older i'm definitely uh, thinking more about that um and i know that i'm at as as close as it can get when i'm out in the bush (laughs) Like, yep. you know, it's that if, you know, the, the editing is kind of part of the gig um, and that's just, a you know, part of the whole, the lifestyle that is uh, being a cameraman. But, um, you know, my passion's out there and in the bush and shooting and telling stories and when I'm out there, yeah, I'm definitely uh, not working.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, there's, um, there's a cinematographer and then there's a cinematographer like what you do and, you know, Obviously, the reason we got you on is because it's you know it's quite fascinating the the type of adventures you you're getting dragged around on. What uh, at what point did, did it ever transition from the more kind of boring type of of cinematography?
2: Um, I kind of I kind of come into it a really funny way actually. I uh, I I really just always had a passion for storytelling. Mm-hmm. um and my dad's uncle bill peach used to put together a lot of uh travel uh, documentaries back in the day um he was a, a host on the abc and i kind of fell into that when i was near the ending of school and i was like you know i talked to him a couple of times i be that'd be pretty interesting with no compass of how to get there i had no idea how to, yeah. how to get to doing that um so i just did the the film school thing and, and and dropped out of there and thought, you know, I, I don't really want to learn in the classroom. I'd prefer to go out and do stuff. So I joined up as an extra for um, TV commercials, TV shows, did a stint on Home and Away, um, you know, as all good Aussie blokes do. Oh, wow. <coughs> for any of our international
0: <laughs> listeners, you've got to Google Home and Away.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I won't come up, but, yeah, Google yeah. it. Still, they'll get an idea of what we're dealing with. That's good. Um, and uh, so from that, I, I, what I did is they, uh, they used to, they'd give you a brief for the day and say, bring winter clothing, you know, a we shooting uh, with winter style for this commercial. And I used to bring the opposite clothing. So things <laughs> like summer, so they couldn't use me. They'd still pay me, I still get the catering, but I used to have these personal cards and would go and kind of just niggle with the crew. Cause the crews are so big, there'd be a lot of them standing around yeah, and say, Hey, I'm getting into the industry. I'm new, I work for free, you know, here's my card just bring me along and that was the start of the relationships that i started to build which then landed me in my first job um on a tv show which again i wasn't behind the camera i was actually in front i was acting um it's a show called crime investigations australia and (laughs) uh, i went from home and away to being murdered (laughs) into a bathtub
0: i I saw that picture and i laughed um because you kind of give a graphic warning on instagram (laughs)
2: It definitely needed the graphic <laughs> warning, yeah. Oh, it's I saw that out.
1: too.
0: That's yeah. like a, yeah, right. Present- he's, he's not actually dead,
1: Craig. <laughs> yeah. <a> spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miraculous recovery. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, so um, how, how long ago was that, Sean? Like, how, that. Are we going back 10 years or is it?
2: Yeah, that must be 12 years ago or so now. Okay. Um. And from that led into, like I said, the relationships, which is is what the biggest thing is in this industry. It's that network of people that, you know, surround yourself with the next work opportunities, and then I just fell into the corporate space and was doing mm-hmm. a lot of corporate gigs, working for production companies. Um, a really good friend of mine uh, started coming up with a sports documentary show, which we started to get involved with, which is still running and is quite successful. Um, and then I joined the army, and I, you know, had a decision to make. After that, it was like, do I go full time career there, or do I go back into the camera stuff? And a job at Forward Drive Action just turned up.
0: Yeah, right. Nice. Yep. Oh, that's it. The rest yeah, for, is history. Um, yeah, well for the for the listeners um around the world who don't know what four wheel drive action is, um, how'd we describe well first of all it's a it's an immensely popular um magazine which um, you know, just everything four wheel drive, from the camping to the to the technical to the mods and everything. And then I guess the show you could say it kind of follows a similar format, but what's really cool about the show is when they they're usually on some kind of an adventure. They're trying to get from A to B, and then they film everything in between. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's some pretty good, uh, pretty good stuff in there. It's certainly uh, well shot, mate.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was really funny. Like I, I, when the when they offered the job, it was actually a, you know a cameraman for a publishing company, and my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, she's like, "Oh, you should try that," and I was like, "I don't want to work for a publishing company. Like, mm. you know, I want to make stories and documentaries." Yeah. And, um, she's like, just watch the link that they have, and I watched it, and it was really cinematic, and I was like, oh yeah, i will go in for it, you know, I'll go for an interview, you know, you know. And then two weeks later, I was on a trip for two weeks in Esperance, and, <laughs> wow. and off we and off we went. How long ago was that? Like, how long? That would be maybe ten or so years. So that was when it was the DVD that went with the yeah mag, yeah. I remember you know. that yeah. Yeah, I've got um, heaps
0: still in the drawer somewhere. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yep. Heaps I've got all the coasters. DVDs here. <laughs> yeah. Are you? Uh, were you? I mean, as a as a child, as a teen, or whatever, were you naturally inclined to be outdoors, or, or did that come? Did you come into that more through this
2: role? No, I was always outdoors. I was that kid. You got home, um, you drop your school bag at the door or somewhere in the driveway, and you came back when the street lights turned on, you know, that, you know, we, I was lucky with some of the places we lived at, we had like a bush next door. So you're making cubby houses, you were lighting fires that you shouldn't be. (laughs) And the weekend you're trying to go rock climbing and catch lizards. And, you know, that was, that's what I did as a kid, Uh, uh, as well as playing um, competitively for sport. I was very sporty. Um, So when I could get outdoors, uh, I absolutely could um could find time for that whenever whenever i had that time outside of basketball
0: hmm.
2: yeah oh basketball
0: that's interesting i've always uh whenever any australian says they're competitively playing sport i always think of the you know the code, the football codes but that's quite interesting
2: yeah, yeah i was born in melbourne and we got out of melbourne quickly though and um but i think if i had stayed there i probably would have played um you know afl uh, yeah but yeah fell into basketball and, and loved that and played right up until kind of four drive action and then oh, wow. really couldn't you know couldn't commit um to that yeah you know, the time that it needed training and the rest of it. So
0: Yeah, understandably. How long would a and I'm not just um talking about that particular show, but how long would a would an assignment take you away potentially?
2: Uh, so action was quite structured in terms of we knew what we had to get out of each trip and we you know it was two episodes would come out of a two week trip, three would come out of a three week trip. Wow. And we'd probably do a few three-week trips because um, uh, we are always shooting three months in advance oh, so wow. for when the mag would come out. It yep. was time to come back and put that together because the same team that went out to shoot would, would come back and put it all together. Right. And we were just rotating crew. So we had enough cameramen and editors that you could just keep rolling and, you know, you weren't burning anybody out. Mm-hmm. Um, but more recently, some trips I've been on, uh, we've been on the road. There was one when I was with... Um, Pat Callinan's four by four adventures, uh-huh. uh, which was on channel 10. We would, we were almost on the road for about four and a half, five months. Whoa. That's <laughs> and I came serious. home once, no, I, lied. I came home twice, but once I was only home for maybe two hours to change from desert cold clothing to shorts and t-shirts for the Cape.
0: Oh, wow. <sighs> Just wow. long enough to reintroduce yourself to your girlfriend or <laughs> yeah, wife. Yeah, wife at that stage. Wife at that yeah. stage. She yeah. was oh. thinking, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: you must That's have to incredible. pinch yourself when you get in your own bed after a trip like that, surely. I mean, it, it must be, yeah, just a, a crazy time out there.
2: That was. We were shooting the entire season. Um, we were over in, in the West Coast and, and then went across the top end and then finished up in the Cape. So... The trips like that, it just didn't make sense to keep going back and coming home, going yeah, back and coming fair home. Enough. You kind of had to really immerse yourself in that and and just get it done. What sort of distances are we talking across that top end of Australia? Uh, ooh, put me on the spot there. Th- that, like hours of driving, yeah. Days of driving, yeah. Um, It'd the be first
0: th- thousands, wouldn't
2: it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's thousands of Ks. Um, you know, even the f- I think we took almost three weeks to go from Perth to Broome. Um, and without you know, googling how far that is, it's not mm. that far, but it's it's you know it's quite the hike. Yeah, especially and I, when you're filming, you know everything's a little bit slower.
0: Oh, absolutely. For and sure. uh, it's not just that. It's but it's it's things like um, you're not taking the. You're not taking the highway, just for listeners. Like the the shows the kind of shows you work on are ones where you're taking your your four wheel drive into the wilderness and get into remote places. So it's not we're not talking about doing a thousand kilometres on the highway. We're talking about mm. bad, sometimes really bad roads where I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but these are the sorts of places where you would encounter things like um you know a, a fallen tree or something and the crew would get out with chainsaws and have to move it themselves to to continue
2: yeah yeah absolutely i mean and and some of those trips were um there's one probably near the end of my time with four drive action which we basically carved our own track wow um, you know we were we were tasked with the station owner to uh, do a track from the uh station out to the coast and one day we moved 700 meters in about 16 hours oh, of filming. Wow. <laughs> wow. And lots of punctures.
0: Wow. Because you are um, sometimes, what do they call that when you, um, the the smaller kind of saplings either burn off and they leave that spike? There's some name for it that I can't remember. But is that well, sort it was of that, thing? Co- yeah. yeah.
2: That plus that, because that land you know, constantly burns up there by itself. Yeah. Um, but the other part was the first car would knock something over, the, a little tree or something, and then that would just leave a nice little spiky bit. Oh, um, oh gee. <laughs> Sounds
0: like a bulldozer would have been a better option in that <laughs> trip. Yeah, it,
2: it wouldn't have been a good a story, though. <laughs> you know, would it?
0: <laughs> You're, um, yeah. You must have put some leverage on the old tyre sponsors in that trip. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, they actually came through at the end. They, they, um, I think they shipped in something like twenty-eight tires to oh the local town for us at the end. Holy heck, that's incredible! Yeah, we, I think we had a five-car convoy. Yeah, um, we had to leave one crew car behind because we had to, um, we had to, you know, use its tires, and we, oh wow, we could, couldn't afford to keep losing at the rate we were. Yeah. Um, and we didn't actually get the track all the way to the end, but we did manage to get it to a, quite a wide bodied river system, right? which had not been, uh, to the station, um, owner, he'd not, no, no, white man had been there that he knew of. He had no track out there. Wow. Um, so we were just, you know, fishing on this fresh river. There was crocs and sharks and fish galore. And it was just, it was just oh. us. We are just remote. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, such a special adventure too. And so, if you're if you're out on these big trips, I mean, no no special accommodation either. Was it caravans or was it just swags? What were you? That's all in? swags. Swags. Yeah. yeah. That's
2: all swags. But it's it's changed over the years. It's done. It started very much in swags. Um, you, you know, certain shows had certain levels of sponsorship and partners. So that was yep. you know camper trailers, um, caravans. The hosts were always sleeping in those, but if we were, you know, we transported the camper trailers across the top end of Australia, and we, you know, we, they were easier to set up at night. Just kind of pull over on the side of the road, throw them up, sleep for a few hours, and jump back in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But majority of everything is is in the swag. I mean, I was fresh out of doing a lot of army work, so my first trip, I just slept on the ground in a bibi bag, and people <laughs> looking at me going, "What are you doing?" <laughs> there's this a, is luxury. There's a Taj Mahal Taj Mahal of a a, a, um, a swag here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can have that on. no i'm good on the ground oh that's cool yeah.
0: yeah the the last well not the last vehicle the vehicle that i currently drive uh when i bought it it had a rooftop tent and i didn't open it for six months i was actually leaving it on there because i had nowhere to store it and i was planning to um either give it away or sell it and then i i used it on a trip um oh, Long story short, I went to a cabin and there was a few people there staying in the cabin. And I said, you know what, I might just stay by myself, and I never looked back. Like that thing is the most luxurious sleep I've ever had in the wilderness.
2: Mm. Yeah, I've done. I did that five month trip. I opted for a rooftop for that trip oh, yeah. um, because of the where we were going with the high humidity and the heat. Uh-huh. It was it was a much better option for for airflow. Yep. Um, yep. But it. The, the rate at which we move, we never stay in one camp longer than a night where, you know, we're usually rolling into camp late afternoon yep, uh, or nighttime and we're leaving at the crack of dawn. It was just a, it was a pain. The sleeps were great. Yeah. You know, for the, the few hours that I got, but it was one of the traditional kind of folding ones out with all the canvas. Um, they've come a long way now with those yeah. clamshell A-frame style and. Yeah, um, i'm actually looking to get back in them now that i can spend a bit more time you know traveling uh on less of a less of a yeah. deadline
0: yeah i've i've got one that'll i can get it sort of sleepable in around about just over 15 minutes yeah um and it's nothing special but geez you know that's not bad at the end of a day yeah mm. um, but anything more than that is a bit tiresome
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean when, especially when you're pulling up to camp we're shooting or we're you know starting the offload Mm. Um, because we would offload everything every single night, yeah, and clone everything before we go to bed, yeah. Um, so that's hours. That's a lot of work.
0: Yeah. So you're yeah. talking specifically there to anyone who doesn't know, you're talking about the backing up the footage, right, and the yep. audio tracks and everything else that you got.
1: And how would yeah. you how would you get all the power that you need, and how would you ch- uh, charge things out there?
2: So we would have crew cars, um, and they were set up. You know, for the the camera teams with multiple battery systems in the rear, um, mm. and and inverters and and solar to, to help everything during the day, um, but you know it still became quite tiresome overnight, where oh, you know yeah. the 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 cars would really take a beating in terms of the electrics because especially when drones started coming into play, you know there's a lot yeah. of draw and yeah, um, we just uh, you know you'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning and your cars beeping at you because you're running your battery flat and oh wow (laughs) um but you know they we wouldn't have been able to survive without them you know we we absolutely needed them a generator didn't make sense you know just even for space um it didn't make sense to bring that we we had to be completely self-sufficient with the electronics in the cars
1: Mm -hmm. and And, uh how how many cameramen were with you for each of or some of these bigger trips
2: most of them have always been two um and then a stills guy Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the bigger trips at four Drive action were uh, there would be like a shooter producer. Um, so you'd have the two main cameras and then you'd have a producer who would also shoot. Right. Um, and, not, and then the stills guy, there's always a stills guy there, you know, being a magazine as well. They had to yeah. make sure that, th- that those travel stories were also captured on that side. That has changed a little bit um, where shows that don't have mags and, um, you know, they've not, They've not relied on those travel stories as much, um yep. but you know there's still a need there because you you gotta you know there's all social media and stuff now, Instagram, and mm-hmm. it's all still very visual, so
0: absolutely um I think there's a big misconception for anybody who doesn't understand um film film versus stills is that it's not I mean I have seen videographers switch between the two but it's the it's not ideal whatsoever and certainly not ideal for a troop of of five vehicles that's moving along and trying to get to a destination for a for a videographer to be you know taking their mind off capturing the moments um to do stills it just doesn't make sense and i mean to be honest i guess you'd say that everything's happening all at once so you're not going to be able to film something crazy, uh, if you don't have a cameraman there, you're not going to capture that craziness on on a photograph either.
2: Exactly. And, you know, we didn't we, – we never had the luxury of doing things twice. Yeah. You know, it was – you get one shot at it and you make sure mm. – everything's rolling you know that's why we run so many cameras you run the in car cameras so we can get the reactions inside the cars you've got potentially a drone going up you've got two cameras uh, going on there might be a self-sufficient slider that's been set up somewhere there could yep. be external gopros as well that are also running um mm. there's no time there to to jump on and just swing to get it still
0: yeah exactly you know uh, okay. um,
2: so gonna- you know, and, and even that for like just continuity going forward. You know, if you've crossed over a river and now you've made fresh tracks on the other side, it's it's almost impossible to hide them. Yeah. For the second time round.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. And whenever and they whenever they that. do, that's exactly right. And you you catch some shows out sometimes when they do stuff like that, and it just it just kind of the entire story just kind of crumbles. Yeah, I was, I you was, just yeah. feel kind of um, cheated as a viewer. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. You must have a lot of pressure on you, Sean, because um, you could imagine that, yeah, you, you can't turn around and, and do that that move again. And um, you've got a lot of pressure to make sure you don't stuff up that shot, right? Did you feel that pressure or, or you you can sort of take it in your stride these days?
2: Uh, very early on, I did. Um, it was a style of shooting, like that obdoc kind of You know, kind of fly on the wall stuff um, Hmm. wasn't what I was doing. I was used to having a presenter down the line and time to to set up the composition and focus. And you know, but if you're in the boat fishing and all of a sudden, you know, there's a there's a croc, you've got to turn around and get it. Yep. You know, or if they or if they, you know, if uh, something goes wrong with the card, you know, your wheel lifts and it looks like they're going to potentially roll. You're not stopping everyone and going, hang on, I need a wide of this as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's You just keep going. And that's the beauty of having all the cameras, yep. you know, so we can tell the story from different coverage points and allows the camera guys also to move around, to reframe, to make it feel like we're covering every single angle. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but there's a lot of communication, um, you know, between those two camera guys that is, is kind of helps ease that pressure, you know, especially when we're turning up to a scene, like a, uh, say a big hill uh, climb or something or a river crossing, you know, we will discuss what we need to achieve out of this scene. Yeah. Um, so, you know, someone's always going to run a wide, which is our safety, and yep. and you're not really moving too much. You're just kind of making sure you've always worst case you know, got scenario. Going on. You've got the
0: action. Yeah, and a the tight guy is yep. then
2: is is picking out that detail and and picking out those moments. Yeah. Oh. So that does help. You know, spread the pressure, I guess.
0: Yeah, because I was thinking earlier, you must um, build a pretty good rapport with the other cameramen.
2: Yeah, you have you to. You, your that. crews have to be you know, when you're on the road that long and living in each other's pockets, you know.
0: Huh. Now, I think the other thing uh, I guess we, we haven't really touched on is that there's, uh, yeah, you speak a lot about, you know, capturing the shot and there's there's this to watch out for and everything, but it, when you start talking about things like Crocs and and driving vehicles over, well, let's put it this way, pretty ridiculous terrain at times, there's, a, there's some physical danger there. Have you ever... I mean, is there anything um, where you've ever thought, wow, I was I was way too close for comfort to danger at that point?
2: <laughs> almost every single day. Like, almost like, every oh, single yeah. <laughs> It constantly, the near misses or the, or the stupid positions that we've been in, um, I shouldn't have all the limbs I have. I probably shouldn't be here, especially up in Cape York. And for those that don't know, that's right up in the kind of top eastern part of Australia and that's where some of our biggest crocodiles are. Mm, um and uh we would uh i'll give you an example there was one we were we had to get out to the coast um and the water crossing that was faced we were faced with in front of us was about five six hundred meters long yeah and it was all black water and the track went into it and then kind of disappeared and we kind of you know grabbed a long stick and poked around and it was it was quite a quite a you know a hard bottom but in in those kind of scenarios, you really don't want to go driving in there unless you've kind of walked it, yeah, and 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 felt the felt the bottom. Because
0: sometimes and that top layer, for anyone who hasn't driven in water or mud, sometimes that top layer forms almost a bit of a false crust, and then absolutely once the weight of the vehicle crushes through that, especially the second vehicle can often cop it, can't they?
2: yep yep so the and then the worst thing you want to do is be stuck in there trying to get a recovery going and trying to get someone out because i mean it was black water for as far as you could see left and as far as you could see right and so we jumped out and the presenters thought it's a great idea we'll just walk it so they went together they took a knife um i spotted a small croc slide at the entrance with a smacked up turtle and (laughs) i had no choice for the audio i had to go with them and i was standing waist deep by myself the photographer wasn't having a bar of it. He stayed in the car, so no one was watching me, <laughs> and they were off, you know, maybe 200 meters in front of me, and we, you know, we we survived. But uh, <laughs> I know again, that's you know, we shouldn't have we shouldn't have done those things. But uh, you do get a little bit complacent because you roll through with so much noise in terms of how many cars we have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, crocs don't live. And exist, um, you know, for as long as they do by just kind of hmm. making themselves known. They, you know, they stay very hidden and they're opportunistic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've just been lucky, I guess, really lucky.
1: Yeah, but it must be sometimes like a lot of adventure shows where, you know, the, the 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 crew are, you know, you're filming someone doing the adventure, and yet the cameraman in like the Bear Grylls show, or if if you're doing the the, the free solo or whatever, the cameraman's hanging on for dear life. You know that they're really taking a lot of fear a lot of hit there
2: you know yeah we yeah we're always in a precarious position Hmm. um and you know it's but you know it's it you you kind of look at the scene and you think well you know how can we best tell this story and also immerse that viewer into you know the the fear that it that the presenters are feeling you know and the only way to do that is to be in there you can't shoot on a bank from a long lens it doesn't yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't give you that. You need to be in there. You need to be able to pan away from them into the black water with something moving, and you are going. We have no idea what that is. You know? Let's hope it doesn't <laughs> chew us. Oh, so
0: <laughs> yeah, there is not uh, not a heck of a lot you could do either. No, no. Once it happens, it happens. You just it's, got to make um... sure you keep
2: rolling so they can use it. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, well, you were you uh, a? I mean, you own a. You got a Land Cruiser now.
2: Yeah, I've got a 200 series now, yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, were you a four-wheel drive enthusiast prior to getting involved in all of the the, the mayhem?
2: No, I wasn't really. Uh, we'd camped um, as a family, but it was never about the four-wheel drive. and uh, yep. We never went to places that you needed a four-wheel drive. It was just campgrounds. Um, we just had it purely more for space and, you know, moving everybody around. But mm-hmm. um, I think... I fell in love with it very quickly once um because we had the crew cars, you were you were thrown into having to drive anyway. Right. you have to drive your own car um, right. and you know we did the four drive training, we did towing training, we did all of that, and um you f- it's very hard not to fall in love with it. Um, yeah but I've kind of flipped the switch on that now where I like I love my four drive, but it's not my my golden goose. It's yeah. the tool. Yeah, to get me to what I love doing, which is the adventure and being out there in the wilderness in the bush, and you know, it's just a, it's just another piece of equipment, really. Now,
0: yeah, that's right. I mean, um, to, just to, just to be brutally honest, we had a we had a phone conversation last week, and we, and um, we discussed um, we discussed that, and I and I remember saying that I kind of feel the same. It's the my four drives the the thing that gets me ninety uh, percent of the way uh, into the kind of Crazy environment, and then I'll, you know, in our case, I take it from on foot from there. But yeah, it really is like another. You've got your camera, and then you've got your four wheel drive to get there.
2: Yeah, and I'm, I'm really like enjoying the, the leaving the car a lot now, and 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 going on foot, and you know, doing a couple of nights away from the car, and and uh, not having to rely on that as the base station. You know, it's we've always, always camped around the cars for work. It's always been about the cars. You know. Um, it's nice to just disappear from all of that. So if I can drive in as far as I need to, and then and then uh, you know get on foot, and mm-hmm. you know and and to that end, I've changed the you know my preferable sleeping system. You know now I'm in a hammock. I much prefer to be in a hammock. Yeah, um, I noticed you. Over are, a swag.
0: I noticed you switched, mate. That's um, we're we're pretty heavy hammock advocates. I I figured we'd get on the topic at some point. <laughs> um, is it uh, um, something that was used in the military or is it always a ground-based bivy?
2: Um, I never used hammocks in the military. Um, there are definitely use cases for it. Um, the, so where I fell in love with them and actually got exposed to them, I was in Indonesia and we were doing a, um, a documentary on uh, a World War II mission that happened and we were just filming the 75th anniversary is that the um,
0: reenactment?
2: The reenactment, yep, yeah. So yep. Operation Jaywick um, uh, is a bunch of crazy Australian Special Forces guys um, that basically rode, uh, rode through Indonesia and its islands uh, with the Japanese um, warships and military within the waters and they would, uh, they'd sleep on islands during the day or hide and then paddle at night and they ended up putting a bunch of mines uh, on on the warships in singapore harbor and and blew up a bunch of the fleet and then escaped it's it's operation week it's incredible like it's <laughs> that's incredible crazy. so we did uh, on the 75th anniversary basically to the hour um a reenactment paddle um and we we're staying on the same islands and and uh, the guy that was leading it is a a good friend of mine is a ex uh, sas operator is that Mick Mick that's Mick yeah i met Mick Oh, you have? Yeah, I've had lunch with wow. him. Wow, awesome. <laughs> He's a good bloke. He's a, he is an absolute legend. And um, so, yeah, he took us along with uh, on that and I was capturing it all and um, he provided us all with hammocks. Again, I slept on the ground for most of that, uh, but there was just that one night, the night of the raid, we were sleeping on one of these um, islands in Indonesia overlooking Singapore Harbour where the boys would have been, you know, 75 years ago ready to, to paddle across, which is now one of them craziest shipping lanes in the world, um, so we didn't actually paddle across um, and just laying in a hammock and going, yeah, this is me. I can do a hammock.
0: Yeah. Yeah, The um, <clears throat> some of the terrain we take them on, like we'll make a decision, you know, before we leave uh, as to where we're going and then we'll get a rough idea of that. But We do a lot of off-trail stuff, so if we know we're going into sort of rainforest and stuff like that, I I really don't know how you'd get uh, a sleep if you didn't have a hammock. Like the mm. the flexibility that it gives you to keep away from scorpions and centipedes and whatever else
2: is cruising around. Uh, especially when you're talking about
0: going to other countries like
2: that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we um, <clears throat> we were dealing with a lot of fatigue, so just it didn't really matter at that stage. Sleeping <laughs> on the ground where you could yeah. on beaches. The, the water, you know, the, misjudging the tide line and having that lap at your feet all night, you know. There's a it's good
0: um, one of your Instagram stories that's got that in it. Yes. It's quite yeah, good. Was... It gets within like, a I don't know, was it like a metre or 75 centimetres of your toes?
2: Yeah, yeah I had to move back up. And where you were moving back up to was um, quite a dense bushland which was full of rats. Oh. Uh, so you didn't really have much room to move. And I thought, well, I'm up, I can't sleep, might as well, might as well film it. <laughs> <laughs> and he and hap, and and Mick, with all the experience, you know, everyone rushed for a bit of the beach. Yeah. And Mick, uh, you know, set up later um, uh, as the sun had already set, and uh, he set out. There's two trees that were not in the water when the tide was down, but when the water came up, he was probably like 20, 30 meters into the into the water, still above the waterline. <laughs> and and rats and couldn't no, even climb up the tree. <clears throat> no, no rats, no mozzies. And it, the, you know, just the sound of the ocean underneath him. He had a great sleep. I
0: <laughs> no yeah. bet he did. With a big <laughs> grin on his face, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I think he's just more happy that he, you know, he watches blokes just rush to find the best bit of beach. And, yeah. you know, and that's usually all the bad spots. But, you know, when you spend a life of, you know, doing that, you know where the good spots are.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, you spoke earlier of, of, of wanting to leave the car and have that almost more quiet, uh, experience it leads me to, uh, again, another conversation we had last week briefly, but also the, um, video that you recommended on YouTube, um, the Bertram, Bertram. Yeah. not exactly sure how to pronounce it, but Same. I will put the, the link in the, in the show notes for everyone to watch. Cause, uh. It's something I've been getting into lately, but and I so I did watch. I ended up getting sucked down the rabbit hole. Sean, thanks very much, and lost a few <laughs> days of my life, but uh, it was all worth it. And uh, one of the things I I noticed uh, also on your Instagram, which goes hand in hand with that, was the um, kuxa that you made. So the yep. yeah the well, it's I guess it's called different things around different parts of Europe, but um yeah the wooden cup that you carved what what was the inspiration from that was it something like um bertram's channel
2: it was him it, it was, was actually him, him. yeah oh, that's we, incredible uh, i'd found that channel when i think he had less than 100 subscribers um and this is maybe three four years ago and now he's at a million subscribers and that one video that i watched that had like a thousand views has 22 million views oh, my goodness and, you know it, it's worth going to watch i mean it the it's a 15, 18 minute video and the guy doesn't speak in it at all and there's no music, you just hear the, the sound of, you know, nature and his bushcrafting skills was what kind of drew me to it. Yeah. Um, and a buddy of mine, <clears throat> excuse me, a buddy of mine, um, Scott Mason, we, we'd we been kind of going down that rabbit hole and um, you know, that rabbit hole for you actually goes deeper, by the way, <laughs> and uh, we said, let's make our own, you know, in, in it's you know tradition it's not you don't buy these you know traditionally that you make them um, yep. and hand them down uh so we uh, we said let's do it and i mean australia is full of hard wood and it's not as easy as they make it look you know in, overseas and in canada and stuff but yeah, we absolutely. managed to find some wood yeah um
0: do you remember and- what uh what kind of wood you used
2: I don't, mate. I went down to a woodworking place and I told him what I wanted to do. Um, and he just, he happened to have a bunch of blocks of offcuts and just mm. said, look, you know, this is probably going to be the easiest to get through. Yep. Um, but it wasn't easy. We started with, um, you know, a, a little axe and yeah, just to, to, to kind of get the shape. Yeah, I saw that.
0: started with a little hatchet, yeah.
2: But I just had a discussion about that probably an hour ago and I can't find it. So it's oh, wow. it's time to make a new one.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah, right. And if um you've got three children, right? Yep. Same as, uh, coincidentally, mm. both Craig and I have three kids each. Um, so it's uh, things like that. When you start talking about handing stuff down to your kids, you're going to have to make four because <laughs> yeah. you're going to make one for each of them and then you still need one yourself. And we're in the same boat. I, yep. I, I feel your pain, mate.
2: <laughs> and they need utensils as well, you know. Oh, yes, you got to do the, l- fork fork. And the, yeah. the
0: fork or the spoon. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Uh, I've got... Uh, a um, little sort of tomahawk axe for each one of my sons, where I've kind of collected the the heads, uh, you know, secondhand through yeah. through various sources, and I've and I've got them there. And some of them need handles, and some of them are, just need to be rehandled. Um, but yeah, so again, I I'm sort of keeping them for when the the two oldest ones are slightly older, and then I'll mm-hmm. recondition those and give them out, but. Yeah, so I've got to do it three times and then obviously for myself.
2: <laughs> yeah, but there's something, I don't know, that for me, I mean I did most of it at home um, yep. because we were, I was working so we weren't really going away and I was going to the office every single day but I think this next one, I'm going to spend the time and actually do it out in the bush and there's something really, uh, you used the word quiet and that's kind of that's kind of exactly what I'm looking for now when I go mm-hmm. to the bush um, and even to the point where, you know, I I like to do solo trips now, not take any cameras, don't document it uh, and just and have it for me because I've always had it for everyone else. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to now have the ability to to go and just, just to have those moments and experiences for myself.
0: I think there's merit in that. I think that there is – I think that it's something that a long time ago we all would have done um, – and I'm not even talking about, uh, you know, sort of a coming of age thing. I'm just talking about it's something that we all would have done to to regather our thoughts and reset yep. and uh, have that time, sit around a fire, um, you know, watch the bush TV as we were <laughs> yep. joking about today, um, yeah. today on Instagram. Um, so I, I think it's a lost, I think it's a lost custom. And, you know, Craig and I have both done our, Done our um, own solo trips. I've done a, a canoe trip and a couple of hiking ones. And there's, uh, I don't know. You just come back slightly different yep. and in a good way. Yeah, you mm, certainly agree. appreciate a lot of things when you get back too. Hmm. Yeah. So
1: what, you sort do. Of, what sort of solo trips do you do, mate? Do you, is just a couple of days on your own. You've you've managed to uh, do a couple of those.
2: Yeah, so when I was um I've just come back from finishing up a uh, you know, contract in Queensland and uh, Mick uh, happens to have a friend up there who's got a got a property up there which is uh, affords you the ability to have, you know, some nice camping um, on cliff faces. You can go for some pretty pretty serious stomps. Great. Um, like some really, you know, smashy legs all the way up and smash them all the way down kind of bear crawling <laughs> up, steep kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then it's got rivers as well, so it was really um, – it wasn't delving too far. It was just a matter of being, you know, out there by my, my by myself and just, you know, having a, having a bunch of different activities that I could pick and choose if I wanted to. If I wanted to sit around the, the fire all day and carve wood and try different fire-making things and I could do that or if I wanted to go for a walk, you know, you could, you could do that. It was just the ability of not having um, a schedule to stick to. You know, and I think now I want to. You know, I'm starting to get back down that rabbit hole of watching a lot of bushcraft stuff online, and um, I'd love to do stuff where you've got to get there by water in like a canoe, or you know, we we did another trip with Mick where we went over to Fraser Island um, and just paddled over. Uh, We were just going to stay the night just on the beach, uh, but we ended up getting absolutely uh, demolished by sandflies. So two (laughs) o'clock in the morning with the full moon and the and the waves you Know going pretty wild, we we paddled back, but wow, um, it's By just kayak. Those, What's, yeah, what yeah, sort of distance is that? It's not that far because we were coming across from the boat, uh, but, but it's, it's probably a three hour oh, kind of god, but, it,
0: but it's brutal. Like, it's a place where, I mean, in the wrong weather, you could get kind of swallowed up in there.
2: And we literally went on the worst weather event you could get. We were going to call it, but um, we. <laughs> We said nah, and uh, you know, like we had the skirts on. It was two men, two yeah. kayaks, and um, yeah, we would, yeah, we would, One was bailing, <laughs> the other one was paddling. Oh wow, um, it was. Uh, and then when we we got to where we were on the beach, because um, we, what we were doing is actually going over to see the the commando training school, which was a secret commando training facility
0: on Fraser Island.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we're going to go and see that. Which is there's not much left, uh, unfortunately, but um, you know, the area is, is still significant. Yep. And um, we got there and there was probably about 100 metres of um, just muddy mangrovey stuff that sucked you down to your knees and we had to, we were <sighs> to just get, sliding. To get
0: through that, to get to... Just
2: to get to camp, to get to the oh beach. Oh my God. So we were just sliding <laughs> on our bellies, being as wide as we could, pulling these kayaks, falling over, losing shoes. <laughs> no. Um, and sat down and got into the rat packs and we're eating our rations and... You know, a couple of friendly dingoes turned up, tried to fight us for our ration packs. And yeah, it was just, it's just a day I, in the life of, just a day in the life, really. Like, <laughs> but you come back from that, and, it, and don't get me wrong, it's all hard work at that point, but you get back and you go, that was, that was epic. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was awesome. You know, I'd do it again because you kind of, it's weird, you kind of forget about the pain that you went through. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you
0: do. It's funny. We've got all these stories where it's, um, it's funny and that was such a great trip and all this. And sometimes you have to stop and go, hang on a second. 90% of that, I was on the verge of tears. (laughs) (laughs) Who am I kidding? (laughs) To get those couple of laughs, I had to cry a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But But they do turn into some of the best memories though, I think. uh, They become stories, right? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And uh, yeah, some of our favorite stories are, you know, on the hammocks on the edge of a cliff when thunderstorms roll in and, Not being in a position to safely move, so we had to sit it out and so on, and and later on, like we still kind of laugh about that, yeah, that one, and I think it makes you a little bit uh, stronger. Is probably pretty cliched. Uh, word, but uh, I'm going to use it anyway because I can't think of anything else at this time of night. But I think you do come back a little bit more resilient. That's a better word, isn't it? (laughs) Experience uh, uh... go. Something I've, um, something that uh, stood out to me, um, from, from, I think it was probably one of you, yeah, it was an Instagram story was for someone who's traveled, Australia so widely and and I'd argue um, probably more extensively than uh, easily ninety nine point nine percent of the of everyone else. What stood out to me was when you were so taken back by your um, time in the Simpson Desert. Yeah, um, it was to to hear that from someone like I said you've been everywhere, every type of um of of terrain in australia from snow to to beaches and then and then you were so kind of blown away by this by the desert like what what was it that did that
2: uh it was kind of a it was a multi-stage process we the first time i was introduced to the desert we we're at uh filming a uh a travel story on the way to uh what's called the big red bash which is a big country music festival that's held out just on the edge of the Simpson desert just past Birdsville. Okay. And they get about 10,000 people out there. And some of the biggest, you know, country rock acts from Australia, um, get out there and and play. And you were covering that from a, from a film perspective, you were working. Yeah. We were covering the convoy drive in. So we had, um, 30 cars in the convoy. So owners of, um, Amarok's and we're covering that travel story with the destination being, being the, uh, the big red bash. And, um, and that year, actually, the, this, the Simpson Desert uh, was flooding, and it and it kind of flooded out the desert. So we had to they had to hold it in town. And I kind of felt a bit robbed. I was like, oh, oh it's the yeah. desert's just there, you know. Birdsville's great, but you know the, the desert's there, and we we had no time to keep going. We had to go back after that. So um, we went back again the next year and um, got to the got to what's called Big Red, which is the the big main sandrune. It's right on the edge on the eastern side of. Uh, the Simpson desert. And that's the backdrop. And, um, from there, I was just like, you know, I want to explore the, uh, yeah, the other 1100 dunes that are, that are in front of me on the way to the West coast. And, uh, the next year I just managed to, to go out with a crew that were crossing and, um, and we just jagged the weather. Like it was, we're on a new moon. So it was completely dark at night. Um, I always like to set up camp kind of a bit further away from everyone else. Um, just, uh, you know, have my own quiet little space. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had no light pollution out there, and you could see the Milky Way hit the horizon to the horizon at night just with your eyes. And, and I made a conscious decision. I was like, I'm not going to shoot a time lapse. I'm not going to shoot any kind of astro stuff. I'm just going to sit here yeah. in the swag. Um, and just was just wowed by it. You know, then you wake up in the morning and there's a dingo running along and the sun's coming up at the horizon. It's just, there's just a, there's just something about the desert that, and the remoteness that, um, you know, if you can manage to find your little quiet space uh, to yourself, it's, you, there's just, there's, oh. I'm trying to say there's, there's nothing, but there's also a lot, Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's, it's vast, but if you take the time to look around and look down and look up and look around, there's so much going on. Mm. Um, and I went back again the next year, nine months later, and did it again and jagged the weather again and new, and new moon and um this year it was actually flooded again so i got to stand in places where uh the water would be now over my head and over the four-wheel drives and so we had wow. to do it a different way this time you know it was we were one of the first crews to cross the Simpson desert for that year
0: yeah um, and i and- mean what sort of uh um sorry i'm going to put you on the spot here but it. How often is it raining? How often is it flooding out there? It's, it's not a yearly event, is it?
2: No, it's decades between. Yeah, it, that's what usually. I um, The the small flood for the first time was only very minimal, um, but the second flood, which is only a couple of years ago, um, was huge. And it's a dry flood. You know, it didn't rain in Birdsville um, or the mm. desert. It, it all comes down from the Channel Country up oh, north. Oh yes, of course. And it kind of just hits them like a ton of bricks. Yeah, I was
0: watching. I was doing a bit of research on. Um, Lake Esk, is it that the the massive lake down in South Australia? It's Esk. no, is it Lake Air? Air, air, air. Yeah. sorry, yes, thanks for the correction. Lake Air. I was doing a bit of research on that, and when I was looking at um the the what it takes to for that to be you know massive is is all of that same water coming down through that basin. It's yeah. absolutely fascinating the distances that that um that that water travels. Yeah, and My there's so line. much of it. And I yeah. mean
2: like, you know, if our cars stand at two meters, you know <clears throat> if our cars stand at about two meters, 2.2, um, they were underwater and some. Mm. You know, there's a Dude. lot of water. Um, and you know, there's luckily there's a there's an access track around the back which you can you can get off the main route because it's only one track really across and back. Um, right. And uh but you um there is one main track that you can get around, but even that we were kind of the water was up to our bonnet when we were crossing. Oh wow. With with running water. Wow, that's solid. <laughs> but and you know 9 months before that it was completely empty and we had lunch and a small campfire in that same river crossing. Wow. You know, it, and I think that's what it is about. That's that's it's just ever talk about exactly and you talk about what you can actually control and 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 you know what impact you can actually have on the landscape and its you get out there and you kind of see where you fit in the whole scheme of things. And, you know, it just goes on by itself anyway, you know, regardless, yeah. um, obviously concentration of certain things can destroy areas, but you know, that area doesn't get that concentration of foot traffic, um, uh, you know, 50 meters either side of the the track um, is about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's breathtaking. Everything, everywhere you look, the only bad shot you can get out there is the one you don't turn your camera on and shoot or a selfie yep yeah yeah when you put when you put your head in the way exactly uh it, it's
0: it's no um surprise then uh that the you know the indigenous culture sort of just has so much love for that area
2: oh absolutely mate. and and to get out there and actually um we do a trip through the Kimberley and we we went with the traditional owners through there and you know, to hear what they, um, you know, what they do on the land and, and you know, we were doing smoking ceremonies and go to places where, you know, it was super, super special for them and just seeing the way that they react, you know, sometimes yeah. just to sit back and, and just watch how they, they react in their environment mm. um, is, again, it's another breathtaking moment. It's a humbling moment. You sit there and go, wow, you know, there's something special going on between them and the land and, you know, yeah. if I could just have a piece of that or if I could – communicate that somehow onto the screen and let people at home Mm. understand that, um, you know, then I'm, then I'm doing my part here.
0: Again, that's not, not just the location. That's an amazing experience, but you, you know, you've had that privilege as well of doing things that now the average person uh, doesn't have within their grasp, but uh, that's fascinating, mate. I love it. Mm.
2: Yeah. And it, it just, it, I mean, it feels daunting. I speak to a lot of people about that. It feels daunting to, you know, leaving the city. Mm. um but the best advice is just i say just you know do a thousand k's you know do a few hours see how that goes you know next time go a little further go a little further and you'll start to realize you know what you need to be able to survive and sustain yourself out there and and um it's not it's not that big and scary you know mm. not all the animals yes we have everything he wants to eat you and kill you and <laughs> poison you but Nine times out of ten, and I'm—I'm I'm a testament to that. They don't—they don't come anywhere near you, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know. And I—maybe I just taste bad, but you know these. Uh, I don't know, you—you you know
0: you can look a bit intimidating too, and yeah, that might—that yeah. might work in your favour. Yeah, good to know. <laughs> in some of your um, older pictures, you look hairier than most of the wildlife I've ever seen yes mate
2: that was quite a mission to get that beard going and sometimes (laughs) i do regret getting rid of it um i know my barber was pretty shocked he wasn't happy yeah Um, it was kind of his trophy beard as well (laughs) i think he was more in love with it when i was but he didn't have to wash it you know no exactly right
0: i'm an ex ex beard bearded person and uh it's a lot of work actually you know one of the things i kind of got sick of um was being known for it Mm. i but Tom, oh, the guy with the beard. Yeah, that's yep. him. And I was like, yeah, hang on are. a second. I'm i I'm more than that, you <laughs> bastards.
2: <laughs> There's more to what me. Are you gonna... I'll shave it off. I'll show you. Yeah,
0: what are you going to call me without it? Oh, Tom, yeah. that, that idiot bloke. Yeah, yeah
2: baby face. <laughs> yeah,
0: oh. <laughs> clown. The beardless yeah. guy.
2: Yeah. The guy that used to be cool without <laughs> yes. a beard.
0: Yeah. The ex-hipster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that uh, conversation about um, being out in the in the desert kind of brings me to another um, question that I was toying with and that is given that you spent so much time you know around Australia and around the globe uh, what where was it that you felt most isolated from civilization Ooh,
2: that's a good one um isolation comes in many. Forms for absolutely, me. Um, and feel
0: free to to kind of you know answer that in your own way. Of
2: course, uh, there's the, there's the physical isolation of um, you know just being remote and and you know, obviously having no service and um, always with somebody you know a crew, but as a crew we'd be isolated. Um, but then there was also a kind of a weird isolation feeling that I had. I went with Mick. I we went to Iraq and uh, mm-hmm. did a few. Um, uh, a few days through Baghdad and then up to Kurdistan. And um, do you mind if I ask what the purpose of that was? Or? We were going to do. Uh, it was like a TV pilot. Um, okay. We were looking at a a show much like kind of what Ross Kemp does, where he does that extreme uh, world and and you know embeds himself with um, yes. You know different militaries or different you know somali or pirates in, in or like something uh you know?
0: one i saw was in a i think it was a south american prison
2: yeah yeah crazy yeah, stuff like that amazing. so what we were toying with was an idea around uh bringing civilians into these um oh, uh, wow you know these these uh <laughs> out of their comfort zone yeah out of their comfort zone and this could you know the, the first iteration of the pilot was to, to bring you know big ceos and you know, people that had a you know that that felt in their in their space in their in their own comfort zone. They were they were the big dog. You know, put them out of that comfort zone, put them into a war zone, take them in with a bunch of you know ex operators and and um, with a with, with a kind of two parallel stories. You kind of get to explore the country and 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 obviously the, the t- tell the war side of it. But the war thing wasn't really important. It was more about that these countries have so much history. Um, you know, we were we were in um babylon you know we mm-hmm. were walking around wow. babylon and you know saddam's palace up on the hill and you know all i wanted to do is fly my drone and people saying no you can't it's gonna get shot down you get arrested <laughs> and, and iraqi prisons are not great no um, not that good but i managed to get the drone up anyway and i've got this great shot of the sun setting of you know saddam's palace up on the hill wow. and babylon kind of below it and um so we were there filming that kind of pilot with a bunch of uh, civilians and, and some ex-military guys um, and just, you know, just being enthralled in it. But what that did for us, the isolation side is what I was getting at is the we went only a couple of days after um, quite a serious incident happened in New Zealand where that, that gunman opened up on a bunch of Muslims. Yes. And uh, it was not safe for Australians and stuff to be over there. Oh, wow. Um. And uh, we decided to go in anyway. But what that meant is you had to pull back all the communications. We couldn't call loved ones. We couldn't talk to anybody. You know, you couldn't text, you know, because it's it's full of spies. Right, right. Um, And everything's tapped and, um, you know, log into this quick free Wi-Fi, you know. Well, you know, we're not going to steal your data. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that was a weird isolation because I've always been able to at least call home either on a satellite phone or, you know, but, you know, having kids at home and, and even dealing with the battle of like, Okay, I'm going to a war zone now, which is very much mm. still active because it's yep. only a couple of years ago, um, and not being able to keep people, you know, informed what was going on was kind of very confronting and isolating mm. um, in that in that sense as well. And that's not the good kind of isolation
0: either.
1: No, yeah, harsh reality. Yeah,
0: that's uh, yeah, that's geez, that's um. That's pretty full on, mate. I, I mean, I was thinking earlier that you, you know we were joked around that your wife um you know has to put up with you disappearing and stuff, but it, at least you know is in in those other situations you're around, you know, good blokes that have got you back, and uh, you know the you know the worst thing that's going to happen is a mechanical injury or yep. or something like that. But um, that's a whole um, different kettle of fish, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, it was, and you know I I put her into a lot of. A lot of challenging positions by doing that, but, you know, just that love of chasing the story and, mm. um, you know, and, and documenting that story and, and being able to then give that, you know, to an audience that might not be able to to ever do that, you know, yeah. and, and uh, I see it a lot now on my own Instagram, you know, people talk about, um, you know, we follow you because you give us that window through to travel that, yeah. you know, we wouldn't do or we can't do or mm-hmm. um, we, we just would never do, but we like to watch. And Yeah. Um, and I think that's really cool because it's nice to know that even outside of the shows, um, you know, I'm still providing some kind of value to, you know, or some some kind of experience and, and a story to other people. And that's what I think, you know, I want to do this year now is really focus on um, telling my story yeah. and, and what I'm doing and, and that journey and learning. And, you know, my bushcraft skills aren't great. My fire-making skills and survival skills aren't great, but I'm going to learn and, and, and I'll document along the way. Yeah. and you know, come along for the ride. I'm not going to start a YouTube channel. That's, you know, I'm not interested in that. But, um, you know, there's there's a bunch of people that, you know, like to follow what I do. And, uh, you know, I think giving back in that way if I can is and trying to add to value. If that means that, you know, one or two young guys get out there with their sons or they get out there alone or a couple gets out there and, you know, that that's awesome. I think, you know, COVID has been great for that. You know, people have yes. to start traveling Australia now.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, and everyone's so quick fantastic. to jump yeah.
2: on a plane, right, and go overseas. Exactly. Um, there's a lot so, here. There's
0: a lot here they're missing. That's for sure. There is, and there's there a lot is. here they're missing within a two or three hour drive of of a capital city. Yep. You know, it's it's not that far away. Um, but like you can I say, just start it's, with it's, a hike
2: in your yep. in your CBDs. You know, Brisbane. Yeah, exactly. It's got heaps of little hiking spots you can do. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's got tons, and uh, usually it can become. Contagious. Um, oh, it does Absolutely, and then yeah. that leads into more. You actually spoke of, be you know, uh, making a conscious effort this year to be more transparent in one of your posts. Do you feel like um, you've perhaps been holding back, uh, either holding back, um, I guess, your, your your true feelings, or or do you think that you've been maybe posting uh things that you thought other people wanted to wanted to see i mean where where does that um transparency thing come in
2: yeah it's uh it's i mean i've made a career of being behind the camera Mm -hmm. um it's much safer behind there there's no vulnerabilities you know um you can edit out all your mistakes um and i just but i've always had and that's through my dad's uncle um this this kind of urge to, to story tell. And sometimes I think that, you know, the best way I could do that is through me sharing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always had also like an, an imposter syndrome, I guess, um, that, you know, there's someone on that other side who's listening that, you know, is going to pull, call me out on something or, you know, I, I've don't, I'm not really the tech, I'm not a technical cinematographer, you know, I don't go into the details and, Um, but I just know how to get the best out of the tools that I have and I know how to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I, I, yeah, I think that, you know, there's no value to give there. So I kind of had a wake up moment with a couple of coaches over the last couple of years and they just said, you know, forget, forget about what other people think. Yeah. If you've got something to say, you can say it and and go and do it. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, someone said to me the other day, if you, uh, and they are quite, they're a public speaker. um, And they said uh, they get imposter syndrome as well now. And if, if they ever didn't get imposter syndrome, then they're probably doing the wrong thing at that stage. You know, there should be an element of that to keep you keep you grounded. Mm, I see. Um, and so I think now with the ability that I'm not working for any more shows directly anymore and and there was no kind of IP to, um, to you know, that had to be hidden or, or only distributed through the shows, I can now out there, go out there and tell, you know, just what I'm doing. You yeah. know, and that could just be an underwater dive shoot, you know, or it could be going back out and doing an asset trip and doing some four driving um mm. And 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 one thing I've always struggled is with whether or not where where the family fits in on my Instagram. Yeah. Um. I've gone in and out of showing them, and you know I'm not I don't want the kids all over it, but sometimes there's you know I really just want to, you know, take great photos of them, and I, and I I, I want to post them up there. Yeah. Um, and I think that will probably evolve a bit more as we start to go out bush and and do stuff together as well. Yeah. You I've know.
0: I've no doubt that 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 will happen, mate. And I think um you know as as a parent myself. Um, I, I know what you mean. Like my, my boys, uh, are you know, big into their, their bushcraft now and their survival stuff and they go out in the backyard and try and try and last, um, you know, the, the weekend without coming in for any food or anything, <laughs> yep. ripping lemons off the <laughs> lemon tree and, and, uh, it's all sorts of stuff. But, uh, you know, I often, um, think that, uh, that some of the stuff they do or photos I take of them is fantastic content. But at, but at this point um, I've chosen not to, but, um, but that's just me. But, uh, but in, having said that, I, I, um, I think it paints a picture of, of you as a, as a more rounded, um, you know, I, I don't know, just a, just a person who has more, more elements, more, yeah. you, you know, and I think that's, um, if you're looking for that, transparency then as you say it might inevitably be including including the rest of your family eventually
2: yeah yeah and like i said we've you know i've uh, here and there i do it and and usually it's not through you know photos it'll just be something through stories you know that that'll disappear in 24 hours and right um, right you know yeah so it's still up there and those that are that are playing at home will will you know Mm -hmm. get to see a bit of that that part of my life uh, cuz if you look on my instagram it looks like i'm just running around as a single man and you know living living the dream but you know there are, there's the real world responsibilities back here and there's mm-hmm. the kids back here and there's a wife back here and um yeah. who who i you know i'm i'm not seeing and spending time with when i'm away for months um yeah so you know it's now about switching the way that that is is uh for me and and, and including them now Good where i can you. and yeah. taking them out you know Mm. And, yeah, and good, that could just be weekends in the backyard in the swag where the kids love it, you know? Absolutely. I've got a nice big swag. We can all get in there. Yep. It's uh, share the body heat. It's nice and warm at least.
0: <laughs> they, yep. They're cuddle bunnies too, <laughs> kids. <Yeah. laughs>
2: yep. And you can throw them anywhere in the swags. You can put one down the corner over yep. there, one down over there. <laughs> Lay them and, in and like that. Yep. And <laughs> they sleep much better. Yep. They sleep much better than they do in their own beds.
0: Yeah. My kids' uh, three voice slept on the trampoline last weekend. Yeah. yeah, I just put a, I just put a big mozzie net over it and um yeah, they slipped in there. Even through the rain, I had this dodgy tarp and they managed to huddle in the middle for <laughs> through <laughs> the rain. <laughs> <Is> that
2: right. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. And it's really funny what they they latch onto. I mean, the kids at the moment are obsessed when we go camping. All they want is couscous or two-minute noodles, <laughs> but it has to be made out of the jet boil. Like it has to. Be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It can't be out of anything Dad, else. Get it jet can't boil be out. Just get the jet boil out. Let's have it on the back of the truck, yep. and um, you know that's and they've all got their own utensils that they've 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 claimed ownership of. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and it's a little routine. It's <laughs> that's what they have to do. I, you you know?
0: just reminded me of something. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there. You just reminded me that uh, I I don't know if you remember this. I promised you a long long time ago that I've I've got to uh, cook your chili con carne on
2: the fire one night. Oh. Was, I have forgotten but yeah you know, it was I, a long time I will not forget yeah. now no, it's no, now etched not. in here.
0: yeah it should be yeah it's, we spent a lot of time in the in the backyard and uh, I cook a lot uh on the fire um just because I don't know it, it's just so easy and yeah. and um I've got you know some good camping ovens and uh I kind of got the um yeah, I know what I'm doing roughly out there and we just get out there and mm. we'll sort of spend from 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon through to about 8 o'clock at night and uh, we'll only sort of duck in to, um, you know, grab a bit more food or something. But mm. it just it just makes for a whole experience. As you say, you can literally have that experience in your backyard and it's a great
2: place
1: to start. And the kids love that yep. chilli con car, man. They do. It's great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Tastes awesome. Yeah. I've there got... you go. There's a five star review. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a
0: um, I about two, a couple times a year, um, I have a big backyard bonanza and I invite some very close mates and, um, whenever I tell them what I'm cooking, I usually don't include the chili con carne. I tell them the other stuff like I'm doing a, a quarter of a lamb in the smoker or whatever and chicken yep. wings and then. But I always get the question from a couple. Oh, you, but you're still doing the chili con carne? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still doing that. Oh, okay, cool, cool.
2: Because yeah. <laughs> we can come now. My yeah, RSVP we'll is yes, yes now.
0: Yes, that's right. I just yeah. want to double check on that.
2: Because <laughs> I think we're busy. If you're not,
0: yeah, we're pretty busy. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, that's good. Cool. I mean, we get like. You'd think I'd be a better cook. The amount of cooking segments that I filmed, um, but the only <laughs> thing I remember from those cooking segments is that you just have to add beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I can do that bit. It's, it's Hang on, do you food. add
0: beer to the food or to yourself? Always both. Bit for the
2: beer, bit for the, bit for you, bit for, bit for the food,
0: and everything tastes better.
2: Yeah. Uh, so we, I we I'm trying to explore now with the, with all that camping, and yeah, you know, it's again, it's that time now. You know, I'm not I don't have a deadline. It's mm. it's time. It ties my own out there, and um, you know we have, but again, there's still another challenge. Is because when I want to do all the cooking is when the golden hour hits, and you know. I can't not shoot. It's just not in me. You know? Exactly. It's, kids, we're uh,
0: either having dinner yeah. at uh, three o'clock or we're having yeah. it at seven o'clock. Which one? Yeah,
2: yeah But it's as simple as it's as simple as that. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. it's uh, noodles and on the jet boil again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, my
0: my kids have just uh, inherited my um, two of my older cameras. Still very good cameras. they, they take good pictures, and yeah. I. I just kind of handed them over um, a couple of weeks ago and they spent literally the entire Saturday, uh, because I hinted to them, they they were talking about these little digital cameras they had and I said, look, um, I think you kids are old enough to take my big cameras out and the entire Saturday they were out there taking photos of absolutely everything from leaves to patterns uh in in nature to um Mm. bark and and sticks and rocks and whatever and uh at the end of the day my wife said um thanks for thanks for doing that she said they without realizing that they've had an entire day um just just out in nature now given we've got three quarters of an acre and it's Mm. heavily wooded so um there is a lot to explore out there but still i thought yeah you're right you know that's that's um that's a pretty good a day well spent
2: yeah yeah 100% man I, I you know I'm not forcing I mean, my kids are still young uh six and and the twin girls are four um and have you got uh, twin girls as well I, I knew I, this, I knew this had come up oh
1: man <laughs> <laughs> twin girls spirits. that are four
0: how yeah, old are girls, I got Craig? twin
1: girls that are five.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, mine are five this year. Yeah, mine are just turned
1: five. I was
0: thinking about that at home the other day. I thought if the topic comes up of kids, it's going to be the biggest coincidence <laughs> oh,
1: of all time. Man, yeah, wasn't yeah. that hectic? So you've got a, a, a boy that's older than that.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's two years older. Yeah,
1: same here. Wow, man, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, are I they think-
2: close together? Their birthdays?
1: Um, the twins, <laughs>
2: the twins, the twins, obviously, but the twins and the and the young Yeah, so like he, he's, he's
1: December twenty eighth, then November twenty eighth. Um, yeah, two years apart.
2: Yeah, our, our, our Oscar's on the September eighteenth, and the girls are September sixteenth. Oh, so it's oh, almost wow. exactly
1: two years. So yeah, oh my goodness! Like, so
2: until they're eighteen, it's just going to be everyone's having a party on the weekend, and yeah, you know, that's it. That's we'll it. Do one big weekend.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. like your June, right? At your place. Um, oh, yeah.
2: My
0: June um, is uh, four out of the five of the family, um, three of which are within um, within about six days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we just pretty much write off a week and say that's yep. birthday week. Birthday and, week. And we've started doing something together like, okay, it's our birthday. Um, let's go away for a couple of days somewhere yeah. stay at a cabin or take the take the caravan out or whatever you know so that's, that's kind of pretty nice i hope that tradition continues
2: yeah yeah i think we all, you know it's just easier logistically mm. and anything you can do with twins that's easily oh. easier logistically <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's hard work hey, Sean, how did you cope with the, the like first two years when you had three of them so man, I was
2: away all the time.
1: Oh, lucky, lucky you! you Should I say lie. that. No, you no, lie. that's um... no, you can't. No, you do not say. It. No. I do not say. <laughs> it. No, that's... have to edit yeah. that out later. Craig. <laughs> that's yeah. the, that was hard work, man. Um... Yeah, it takes a lot out of you. Those sort of first couple of years, ain't it? It is
2: though. Yeah, they are a handful. And it's, and it's it's funny. You kind of feel this. You've gone from this two years of bonding with one child, where your attention is yeah, just absolutely all over them. You're smothering them, and adoring them, <laughs> and they're living loving it. And then. All of a sudden you've, you've got this like neglect going on unintentionally to this this two-year-old who now really wants your attention you know because they can walk around and run around and run into corners and fall downstairs and yeah. uh, it's not like you just leave them on the ground and they can't go anywhere right so um are your girls yeah. identical yes they are yeah mine yeah. too that's
1: fucking yeah, <laughs> Wow! We should go camping together.
2: Yeah,
0: oh, yeah that would be amazing. My well, kids look like clones, even though they're they're years apart. Yeah, we
1: should decide. You can some tell s- the
2: difference between yours easily, as parents.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, but no. I not, thought not you were really asking like, me then I, for a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I seriously I'd hope go. you could with yours. Yeah, pretty, yeah. Most of the time, I can. Oh, as you, yeah. as you know, man, you get it wrong all the time. You just um, have to ask them which one they are. Sometimes it's incredible. <laughs>
2: yeah. You're Phoebe, I do, right? I do You're that. Phoebe.
0: Whenever I'm here, I'm saying which one are you? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> well, they, they, ours are starting to get quite angry at it. You know, like especially if the extended family uh, ask or the cousins ask that don't see them, and you know, cousins that are like six or seven, and they're like, who are you? And they're like, I'm Amelia. And like, <laughs> do you know? How do, how do you know who I am? Like. You know and having this you know really this identity crisis yeah. Like, no one knows who i am oh jeez. you know they're four yeah so that's yeah. right you know, they no. can say no in seven languages you know <laughs> sass has come out it's yeah uh, but they're funny you know they they have their own little you know spirits and their own little um yeah you know, emotional tannies that you can you kind of you have to navigate individually you can't kind of treat them as 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 one that's right um yeah they're, they're very much individual yeah um but they're best friends, you know.
0: Yeah. Have yeah, they have they been introduced to to camping or, or anything like that yet? Yeah. 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 They love
2: it. We've done a couple of camping trips now. Uh, my wife's um, our stepfather's got a place out in Bathurst. Um, mm-hmm. Got a fair bit of land out there, and we try to get out there a fair bit and just let them run wild. And um, yeah, the girls will probably spend more time upstairs um, and sleep in the house. Um, but the last time we were there, the, uh, I had to do two weeks in there for for covid um had to get out of sydney before i could get back up to queensland
0: oh right and the
2: little dude and i just slept in the swag every night oh that's cool Mm he he's really in that you know he's he's quite inquisitive yep and he's really just enjoying you know absorbing everything um i actually caught him throwing a um i probably shouldn't say this but he (laughs) he he found he found a box of cans that um you know, that, that were being left as little bombs for the campfire. And uh, he thought he'd try and throw one in. And all I saw was his fireball come flying out. <laughs> and he'd look on his face, he was just, he'd shit himself. He was like, uh oh. <laughs> what have I done? Uh oh. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, How, what do I do here? Do I yell at him and he's going to get, you know, he's going to probably build up some emotional thing to this. Or I just sit there and say, you know, next time you do it, let dad be involved. You know, yeah. I want to <laughs> have some fun. Yes. <laughs> You know, so I went with that route, and then 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 obviously the serious parenting after. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, he's just he wants to explore. He wants to. He's getting on motorbikes now, and you know, oh wow. Um, so the, all three of them are starting to really fall in love with it. And my parents just picked up a camper trailer, which comes in a couple of weeks, and uh, they mm. want to go out in that and yeah, you know, try that out. And that's all fancy and new. And um, so another, they're, another they're really, excuse you
0: know, for you to absolutely to tack on Straight and take out. your family out there.
2: Yep. Yeah, if I can grip it out of uh, mum and dad's hands, yeah, they're pretty keen. to start <laughs> oh, I thought traveling. you meant
0: go with them, but you're saying um, borrow it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's probably yeah. They'll want to sleep in it, and you know, and then uh, I don't know. I might, there's an upside. Mum could do all the cooking.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, you've already told us your cooking's pretty average. So
2: yeah, I can do I can do two mint noodles and couscous in a jet boil, <laughs> yeah. and I can do a okay. mean steak on the fire. Oh, I straight on the coals. Straight on the coals.
0: You know, I, I'd, I'd never experienced that until I went to Craig's uncle's place and he, um, i have probably boring a listener here because I think they've probably heard it before, <laughs> but I, I was just leaving to go out to the um, to the spot. I was doing three days solo out there and I, you, you kind of I'd visit them at the house and then I'd jump in my car, drive um, down the back, leave the car, and then I'd hike into the wilderness. And... Uh, just as I was heading out to the car, uh, his uncle said, "Oh, let's see if there's a um, a steak in the freezer for Tom." And he was hanging around a minute, and they pull out this massive um, T-bone, the size of bigger than a plate, and and just hand me this T-bone, and so there you go, get get into that. And so <laughs> I ended up taking it, taking it with me, and um, yeah, because I'd heard also of. Because he was telling me that his son, which is Craig's cousin, uh, would throw them on the coals, and I thought that that sounds crazy. I have to try this, Mm -hmm. but it just gives a a quite an amazing um, smoky kind of flavour too. Flavouring, yeah, it's incredible, and and it's not like I mean, obviously you don't throw them in that white powdery dusty stuff. We're talking about the black. Clean coals, yeah. But um, it's quite remarkable. I, I thought he was joking when he told me, but it, <laughs> no, it's something special.
2: Yeah, and if you don't want to jump straight into that, you can always do the hot rock first. You know, yeah, you yep. Can throw it on the hot rock and 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 start there, and and that's a that's a nice little introduction to yeah. You know, I mean, you're scraping off the coals and and yeah, you know, some of the dirt. You're obviously eating a bit of the land. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a good way to have the steak. There's
0: something special, uh, almost primal about eating off a hot rock that you've just cooked food on.
2: Yeah, and it's the same with fish, right? You know, I'm, I've become a fish snob now. I can't go to a restaurant and, and, and look at them seriously when they say fresh fish of the day. It's like I've had one off the hook and <laughs> yeah. within 45 minutes in a fire eating it. Yeah, know, yeah. That's fresh. When I can still taste the adrenaline in the fish, that's fresh. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: when well, you've still got... um. <laughs> like your shorts are still wet from waiting yeah, out there yeah, or something
1: yeah yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah so you know and we've had we've had a couple of those experiences where you know all we've had, all we've had for for 2 3 days on a remote coastline is um swags cameras fishing gear lemon salt wow and that was it you're just eating barra like every yeah breakfast lunch and dinner yeah right. wow um that's incredible. So, yeah, you do become a bit of a fish snob after eating yeah, like any oyster hard, you know, off it? the rocks oh, and, man. you know, like.
0: Yeah, it would be yeah. hard to go and eat, like, as you say, what they call fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, something that um, I actually did a bit of research on it uh, after I saw some of your pictures was that, is it pronounced um, Finky or Fink, that desert race? Fink. Fink yeah. is Fink. Fink desert race. So, yeah, the Fink desert race just. For the listeners, um, correct me if I get anything wrong here, but it's uh they have over six hundred races, and they drive four hundred and sixty kilometers from Alice Springs to a small town which is called um Apu, Tula.
2: no yeah which is basically Ap- it's it's called Aputula, Fink. yeah and yeah. in brackets the Fink
0: community, Fink, yep. uh and those races are uh, yeah what divided up sort of they can be uh yeah off-road bikes to the off-road buggies and then and then modded up cars as well can't they
2: yeah so there's a, there's multiple classes there so the the cars go out first and the cars are everything from like a you know pretty beefed up four-wheel drive or a ute uh through to polaris buggies can ams and then trophy trucks right so there's a trophy truck element so people like toby price um who's you know australia's best off-road racer um he's a, he's a national icon He's he was doing the bike thing, um, but he was doing he'd been doing the trophy truck as well now. So he will drive the trophy truck down, then he would get in a helicopter, go back to the start line, get on his bike, and go down on his bike, and then do it again the next day. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so um, he ha- unfortunately hasn't completed it uh, mechanically. It, it, he kind of gets unstuck. Uh, wow. The cars kind of fail. It's not him. He's a he's machine behind behind anything, um, but it's an incredible event. It's it's a hard spectator sport unless you have a chopper because you just yeah. kind of see him come straight past you, in the middle of the desert, and then you and know, then
0: you don't see him again, and
2: that's it. You just so you kind of can't watch one racer. You need to watch everyone that's coming down. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's absolutely brutal. The last so the last place I was just working at, and I was working for a show called Patriot Games, mm-hmm. uh, which is on YouTube. He's um, been racing in the um, the the Polaris buggies for the last couple of years, um, yep. And now he's into the trophy truck, and um, we'll be competing in the trophy truck class this year.
0: Yeah, right. Are you um expecting to or or hoping to film that one again? If if the yeah, I'm not sure.
2: Um, yep. Yeah, I'd I'd love to go down mm. uh, again. It's a, it's an it's another great event and another yeah, way. From to, what there's... I
0: read, it said it was uh, like one of the biggest events um in in that whole area each year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's huge, and um, and like I said, it's a spectacle. Um, you know they have everything from the, uh, the, you know the uh, up in Alice at the airport there they they get all the cars together and there's a there's a prologue so all the qualifying elements to it and mm-hmm. then there's the there's the the registration element where they put all the cars on show and you get to meet the drivers oh, and wow. you know see the cars up close and um, before they take off the next couple of days.
0: So you were you were um you know, on assignment there essentially you were filming for them yeah then how does that work logistically because you're following was it one vehicle or two vehicles so
2: for that season when i was there we just had the one race vehicle so there's one yeah.
0: vehicle you're following one vehicle like you said before you can't just stand there at the start line get the footage of them taken off and then wait wait until they get back because there's no story in that how, no, how, how so you there's a around? bit of TV
2: magic that happens um, to, to achieve that, and um, and, uh, and 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 lo- a a big logistical nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, you you can't even chase the cars because the speed they're going they're too fast. Yeah, and we're and 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 we're on a, a service road next to them, but at certain points they cross that service road, so they'll be the service road will get closed down, and you right. you lose them. But there's an element there where you want to be there in case a mechanical happens. Yeah. Um. But we we put anywhere between five to six cameras on board. Right. Um. So there'll be five fixed cameras, and then there'll be a GoPro on a vlogging mount. That if anything goes down, um, and the cameras have to, you know, if we have to relocate, if we have to get there, they can at least start to tell their story without us. Right. Right. So um, they
0: can just get stuck into. They can get this stuck into it, Just happened. It. We're waiting yep. for the crew. Yeah so the yeah. um uh, on races like this um they're allowed to have a support mechanical crew that, is there rules around that
2: you can so the so the, the mechanical crews have to get down to think anyway because usually they need to fix
1: whatever's from, from you that, know from happened that, from that, um, that night and they've yeah. got
2: overnight to fix them um but you you can't offer any uh, support on the side of the road. Um, they have to look after it themselves, and they have to be self-sufficient. But you know, if something goes wrong out there, it's usually the cars are right off. Um, so you you're just really a recovery vehicle at that stage. You're picking it up, and that's that's the road the of end right? Wow. Yeah. It's it is brutal on. Uh, on on the body and brutal on uh, the gear. Mm. You know, you see people limping in with like wheels falling off and crabbing in, and you know <sighs> they've made it down and they're like, you know what, just making it. It doesn't matter where we place, just getting yeah, there and just back is the accomplishment. It. Yeah. So it's it's a wild event. It's it's a great event to film because you're out you're out. You know, especially at the Fink End, you've got all that beautiful desert and remoteness again in that red soil and um, yeah, it's just a it's it's a stunning landscape and a backdrop, you know, and if you're lucky enough to cover it, um, you know, from a chopper as well, yep. which um, I know we were talking about for the next season, but then we couldn't go because of COVID, um, you know, because we would have had to cover two vehicles. We would have needed the chopper to go back and right. forth. Right, Yeah. Um, and we'll send the day before, we'll send another camera guy down to the Fink end and be ready, Yeah. you know. Um, and then on the way back, you know, the the, the main cameras would leave, Um two, three, four hours beforehand at like four o'clock in the morning and drive up and then wait for them at the at the finish line. Wow. And tell the story up that end.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's incredible.
2: That's an incredible event. Like it's yeah. Um and it's going ahead this year, which is great. You know, yes. I think it kicks off in kind of June, uh mid June. And mm. um not it's that really far away. it's really good. Really? Yeah. Oh, no that coincides awesome. with a lot of those desert events. You know, big red bash and stuff all happen around that same time, July and stuff. So it really when it cools encourages off. people to get you know into the exactly. It cools down, mm, yeah. <laughs> it encourages people to get out to the desert, which is which is awesome.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's incredible, mate. I, I can't. I'd it, it would be. Um, I would regret it if I let you go without uh, without talking about your Mongolian adventure, mm-hmm. because there's a there's a whole. Uh, array of of photographs that you shared, um, over a period of time. And it's, it's hard to kind of piece that story together, but, um, is that something you'd be able to, to do for us?
2: Yeah. I think Mongolia, um, well it's, it is probably one of the best trips I've ever done. Um, and probably one, and in that had elements, um, that were some of the best experiences that I've ever done. Wow. Um, and that's going up against, you know, forging our own track, um, back in the 4 drive action days to uh, go into Iraq. And, and all of those have their own merits for certain reasons and some of that comes down to crew and, and what happened, you know, in isolation. But Mongolia is just so uh, – it's so different to anything that I've ever done. Fundamentally, it's the same. We were 4 driving and, and overlanding and camping and um, but it was the, the ability of the day one when we left town – you you quickly realize that there's a there's a population that lives in the city and then the rest of the population live completely nomadic mm-hmm. they you know life has not changed for them for hundreds of years you know it's it's exactly the same wow and you quickly get immersed into it and you you start to see you know just random families popping up in their in their uh, their accommodation across just open plains with you know multiple different landscapes and backgrounds and um i remember we pulled up and it's in one of the first episodes it's on patriot games um in their season three we pulled up to this place and uh, we said oh we in the sun's going down let's camp somewhere and our guides that were with us they just they just you know 90 degree turn and we just we drove towards the hills and we said is there a secret campsite out here and he said no no we're just finding a flat spot we can camp wherever we want and to us, that was like, what What do you mean? You know, in Australia, everything's bollarded and you've got camp fees and you yeah. can't go off the road and everything's national parks. It was like, no, you can just camp wherever you want. You can lay your swag down, lay whatever you want down and, and pull up stumps. Cool. And we did that. And then that just, that continued to just kind of every single day was compounding with the excitement. And. And the experiences and that led us to going on horseback for two or three days to go and meet right up the northern part of mongolia right up near russia um we went two days on horseback and at the end of that 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 ride um, we were meeting with reindeer herding families mm-hmm. and um we stayed in their teepees that night we we milked reindeers the next morning <sighs> and we sat down with them. We does, couldn't speak. Does glitter you know, come out. <laughs> <laughs> Santa wasn't too happy. I to tell you that much. He's a grumpy fella. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Um But uh, it was interesting to sit down. We couldn't, you know, we didn't. Spe- we didn't speak any language. They didn't speak English. You know, they were doing like I was flying the drone, and to, to them that was so foreign. To me, I was just it was just the drone, you know. But they were. They couldn't. They couldn't comprehend looking at my screen and then looking in the air and then seeing the, the guys and the horses and their back and. Mm. You know it was just there there was something humbling in that that you know all this technology and all these things that we take for granted these people haven't even seen it yeah. you know they've never heard of it um wow did you feel and, uh, um did you feel welcomed by them? yes, absolutely they're yep. very like um more so outside the city um the city is just another city um and 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 people have adapted to living you know very western. Western uh, cultural ways, and uh, but once we left, like we we just turned up to um, a family's yurt, and they invited us in to have yak milk. Hmm. Just you know, and that's that's their produce, that's what they live off, that's what yep. they trade off, and yep. they fed fourteen of us. Oh wow! You know, just with and and I think what we gave them in the end um, was just a handful of bullets. You know, it wasn't a money. Money's no good to them. You know, yeah, they needed right. bullets to help them hunt. Yeah because yep. then they could take that fox that they kill. They could give that fur and they could sell that meat. And wow. you know, it's it's very much like that. Wow, that's still. incredible. Yeah, but I, that duck, that, that's you know that's um, ignited something in me with the horseback kind of thing. I'd love to do horseback adventures now and and live off the back of a horse for a couple of days and pack horse. And hmm. um, I'm finding it hard to find a place to do that in Australia at the moment, actually. But you know the just we just, you ride all day, you jump off the back of your horse, give him some water and then you lay down next to him, you sleep next to him and then your yep. the alarm clock in the in the morning and up you go and off you go again. It was just, it was, you know, it was amazing, an amazing experience. And I think the only thing that I didn't enjoy about it was the fact that I had to constantly film it, you know. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I just wanted to immerse myself and enjoy it. Yeah, um, yeah But, you know, I wouldn't the, have been there without it.
0: Yeah, well, that's true as well. And, I mean, we've... <clears throat> touched on it earlier that uh, the, you know the end of the day is not is not um, when you arrive and set up camp uh, it's you know then you go on to backing up your footage and and yeah. recharge your batteries and all that sort of stuff. but but yeah, I guess you know what you say there is well you wouldn't be there if you weren't doing that so kind yeah. of um, and let's face it, it's better than a desk job.
2: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. When I when I have to come back and cut the shows and get editing, I get I get antsy. It's you know, I've I've got to get back out there and um, that, you know, some of the shows we used to do a couple of a couple of weeks filming and then a couple of weeks back and then it's kind of migrated into doing a block filming and then a block editing, a block filming and um, yeah, I'm I'm more at home in the bush and uh, you know the office is is definitely not for me.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because I reckon some people do sort of, you know. You you do something for too long, and you can kind of the last thing you want to do when you get back is to go back out to the bush. You just want to stay in the city. But it's good to hear that you've you know really built a, a love for it, and you've you're taking that on into moving forward now with your kids and so forth. Good on you. Yeah,
2: and I think what I've always I've always tried to do as well is, and this comes back to not wanting to be a photographer on the trips. You know, I've I, I've done a lot of photography, and I I still do but I've never charged for, I've never done it for work. I've always kept that as my, my own creative passion and my own release. Yep. You know, I'd never, I would never work as a photographer. I'd never do any jobs as a photographer. Because Might spoil it. I just, yeah, I don't want it to. I don't think it would if I was in those environments, but I just don't, I just, I want to keep that. And, um, mm. and uh I think that's probably what I'll do more this year is when I'm out there by myself is, is uh, enjoy it, take a few snaps, you know, yeah. and then sit back and put the camera down and, and, um, yeah, and, and, and that could just be, if I'm not out with the kids, that might be purely for memories and, and something visual to show them when I get back, you know, here's where dad was and here's what I was doing and, yep. um, you know, and this is what we can do next time we go out and, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the first thing that happens when I get back from a trip is
0: um, kids come in the office and. Uh, hook the laptop up to the big screen and I just download all my SD cards and we just yeah. go through. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, we just go through each clip and, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they absolutely love it. They think it's the best. And I think, oh, geez, I've got weeks of editing
2: to do. Editing to do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would start it, yeah. Hey, kids, let me show you through Lightroom. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to um, learn <laughs> yeah. this stuff.
2: Yeah, as you can see, Daddy shot this overexposed by about two shots. So what I'm going to do is, <laughs> yeah. is I'm going to press auto and hope it comes back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> secrets.
0: Uh, yeah. Sean, um, thanks so much for for sharing everything with us tonight. It's been it's been fantastic, and I think that it's um, it's probably shed a lot of light on the sort of work that you do. You're, uh, I mean. We were talking last week, and it's something that now you've kind of decided to start seeking out your own stories and and telling your own stories with uh with a good friend slash colleague of yours. Is that um what you see as the that that is the next step for you now?
2: Yeah, I think it is. I think it's, that's our, that's the end game here is um is helping uh you know brands and and um, communicate. You know their own stories and and that's within that four drive and adventure space um, I think you know my love of passion and passion of the traveling here in australia um and I love traveling overseas as well um and purely because that gives me great appreciation for for back here in australia and if I can help brands connect with audiences to get them out to do it as well through storytelling then um then, yeah, it's. I mean, I'm doing what I love at that stage, and so, uh, yeah, good mate of mine, Scott, and I, we've decided we've been in this game for a long time, telling other people's stories, and uh, it's nice to t- turn it back around and um, and, and kind of think about the brands and the customer, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, and and give them a little bit of the lifestyle that we've had, you know, and we've been fortunate to have, and and um, and, and we're still doing, you know, and yeah. that could be. You know, could be on a campaign that we're doing for somebody, or it could just be us out there, you know, on our own little trip and, and just doing it on our own socials. But um, yeah, that love for storytelling and because um, I've always wanted to be a wildlife cinematographer. Um, but every every single cinematographer wants to be a wildlife cinematographer. <laughs> um, you can have uh, thank Attenborough for that. Yeah, yeah, um, not so, a bad you know, thing. Not
0: a bad no, thing. No, the more people not. interested in the wildlife, the the Absolutely. longer it'll hopefully stay there
2: yeah so i think you'll the you know scott's also a big big wildlife guy and a yeah bear guy yeah and scott's
0: got some um i'll put his, i'll put his links up in the show notes as well um southern sky images au he's beautiful um still photographer fantastic wildlife yeah. um landscape all sorts of stuff
2: we just have those same camp values and 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 nature values and mm-hmm. it, it you know we can talk to each other about things without even saying a word you know what i mean we could both kind of understand it and um we've come up together Yeah, you know, we did that big five month trip together across the country yeah. and that's when we first met and
0: oh that was when you first met okay
2: yeah yeah so we you know threw into the deep end and five months on the road with each other and we came out the other side good mates so <laughs> that's good um we've always said that you know we'd like to tell tell stories our way and um and, and when we get that timing right and and now that's that's upon us, and um, it's going to be a really exciting year. I think mm. it's. You we're know, starting going out at the moment. We're just about to go on another trip in a couple of weeks. Oh, fantastic! Um, and
0: uh, are we allowed to ask the scoop, or is it top, super top secret?
2: It's not top secret at all. I wish it is. It's just purely <laughs> another asset trip to to start generating some stuff to show clients. But we're heading up. Uh, he's getting some new stuff uh, into his, into his patrol, and uh, we're heading up to like Gloucester Way, um, Northern New South Wales. And, okay. Uh, we just did the snowy mountains in New South Wales, so we're just trying to change up the scenery. And yep. I think there'll be a trip out to the desert as well, uh, just to make sure we're covering. off. Yeah, bond, just try bond. and
0: get all those kind of those big landscapes. Yeah, and really, a that's variety, a bullshit yeah. excuse to go travelling <laughs> uh, on another damn work trip. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. you know, for tax
2: purposes, it has yeah. to be a, a work trip. So. Exactly. Uh, that was a
0: funny, yeah. uh, quite funny banter um, exchange between you guys on one of your posts I was reading and I almost felt like, um, a bit awkward being there cause it was almost like I was listening into a conversation that was, um, was between <laughs> two mates, but you guys were going back and he's saying, remember that trip? And you're saying, Oh, I couldn't believe it. Remember when this happened? And how about the, the sand flies and all this? And, uh, yeah. yeah, you could tell that you guys had done some, um, tough, tough trips together. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we've got some some pretty awesome stories from some pretty awesome time on the road together. I mean, that five month trip, um, I think I came home from that less fatigued than I've ever come home on even like a two week trip. It's mm. it was just something about the traveling with the right crew yep. that that made it, um, it not a job. You know, back yep. to that original point, not a job. It's mm. it's a lifestyle and it's a passion, and um, we just happen to get paid for it.
0: Yeah, mate, and it, it just shines through in your. Uh in all of your work, yeah, you know, in both your work. Um, but, yeah, I, I like that and I like I like your, um, you know, we, we touched on it earlier about you kind of using this as the year to, to share your stories instead of, um, uh, you know, I mean, obviously you're still going to tell other people's, but you know what I mean, like using this as the year to kind of give your perspective on things. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the next um Cooks of Carbon video and yes. you know, the next trip and all this sort of stuff, you know. Selfishly, I uh, I get to enjoy these things as a <laughs> as a user of Instagram.
2: Well, we'll just have to get you out with your telecon card. It's just as simple as that. that. Yeah. Done. You know? Just you just got to,
0: As I said in send location. I'll be yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh mate, it's been an absolute cracker talking to you. Sean, uh, it's it's fantastic. Again, thanks for your time, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, really out. appreciate
2: it. Yeah, normally I wouldn't have done this. Like I said, that whole that fear of of chatting about it, but this has been great. I think you know just the conversation and. And a, a chance to just kind of talk about what I do and and what I love and um and uh, yeah, I really appreciate uh, you guys having me on. It's been it's been awesome. No, oh, absolutely, I could, I could talk forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah so could we? That's why
0: I'm <laughs> conscious of that. Uh, look, you said earlier that um you know if you can um you know inspire somebody to to get out and, and do things and that sort of thing. I mean, th- this platform, uh, y- you know, you've got your Instagram, but I really hope and I know, I just know that this platform goes out to listeners uh, around the world and I just know some of them are going to take, uh, you know, your stories and what you've said and they're going to kind of run with it. And and so uh, I guess that's ticking another box for you, mate, because I know people are going to get value out of this. So
2: Yeah, that's awesome. And like uh, my, my I'm always there to, to add value if anyone wants to connect. I'm always in, in, uh, in my DMs and you can slide on in and, and uh, ask anything you want, I'm an open book. Um, you know, if I can and help you anywhere and inspire you to get out there and uh, or you just go backyard camping um, or yeah. how to make a terrible beer meal in the backyard. <laughs> like, if I can do anything. You know, but that's a up.
0: beautiful gesture.
2: Yeah, yeah. mate, I, I reckon you're speaking to the, the choir
1: here. I reckon we all love that sort of talk. And, you know, you've been to some really, really special places too. And I I can just tell through through what we've been talking about that it's, it's brought a real richness to your life, Sean. So thanks for sharing it with us tonight, mate. Yeah, not a problem, mate. Appreciate Good it. Good
0: on you, mate. You take care out there on the road and, and the trail. And uh, I, as I said, looking forward to watching it all. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. Take care, buddy. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.